Well, at least three different times in my life, uh, in once in grade school that I can remember, once in middle school, and once in high school, in class, either English or history, we were asked to do something very unusual, actually pretty morbid, I think. Write, they said, what you would like to have on your tombstone. Did anyone else have that experience where you had to do that in school? I don't know if they still do that or not. Uh, but years following, uh, as the great student pastor that I thought I was, I would take students through the same exercise and ask for them in the context of a student ministry night to write what they would like to have stated on their tombstones. Those conversations at home were interesting ones, and oftentimes I would have conversations the following week with parents or I would get a phone call that would want to talk about, okay, what are you doing to my kids? Just kidding. I didn't really get those. But the conversation about this reality uh, of, of life for us. And so this could be the worst opening statement in the history of Christian preaching, uh, just upfront and honest. Here it is. You are going to die. Unless Christ returns, you are going to die. And so am I. Paul, in the context of this book of 2 Timothy, not only encouraging but challenging Timothy in his walk with the Lord, sharing of his own life, talked about this concept of, in the verses we're looking at today, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, pouring his life out, talking about this concept indirectly of dying and challenging Timothy and us as a result to not only die on empty, but to die with confidence. And those are going to be the things that we look at this morning as we study these three verses, the shortest passage we will have studied in all of our messages in this book, but I believe will bring great clarity and encouragement to our lives as a result. Before we read this passage, though, let's pray together. So God, we thank you for the opportunity to engage you as you have engaged us in worship already this morning. We pray that as we study your word now that you would definitely, in our minds, our ears, and our hearts, speak clearly in a way that we can hear and understand and discern you with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're praying for that. We love you. Amen. Let's read these verses together, and then we'll start going through them. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved, or another version says, longed for his appearing. So first we see that in order for us to die well, Paul's challenge to Timothy, to die well, you must die on empty. This, of course, a running theme of the passage that Jeremy already read to us this morning that I would like to reread some of the verses he included, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not 
count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, emptied himself in this version by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Paul was telling Timothy with this and also is telling us in turn that we are to pour our very lives out to the point of empty until we see Christ face to face one day. When we, those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus, are seen by God on that day of judgment, he will either see the blood of Jesus covering our sin, our lives, or he will not. For those who have surrendered their lives, eternity awaits in heaven. For those who don't, eternity awaits for them in a place the Bible calls hell. There are only two realities once we pass from this planet. Now, oftentimes it's easy for us to forget in the midst of our lives that that is the reality of what's coming. Paul was reminding Timothy of these things, challenging him to not leave anything at all on the table, but to pour his very life out. There are some movies uh, from long ago, and you may have seen one of these, where an individual is driving down some barren highway somewhere. Normally, it's about 120 to 180 degrees outside, and what happens? Runs out of gas. And so, of course, most of those movies, 60s, 70s, 80s, before the development of cell phones, they had no way of contacting anyone. So you see this individual on the side of the road, sweating bullets, realizing I've got to walk to the nearest town. And so off they trek, and you can see the discouragement, despair, and challenge on their faces, their body language, hoping that at some point someone will come along again, this obscure road, pick them up, and they'll uh, get to where they need to go to get some gas. Well, most of the time when that happens and that individual gets picked up, it's not really a happy ending, but you've seen those movies as well. But this individual, again, just in this position of, of harshness, of, of hardness of this life. And then a sitcom that I watched uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, which I feel, still think is, is quite funny. One of the episodes of that uh, showed this individual walking into a car dealership, and, and here was this car salesman. He said, I'd like to take this car out for a spin. Actually, not purchasing this car for myself, I'm purchasing for a celebrity friend of mine. And the salesman said, well, let's go. So they jump in the car, and in the process of that, that individual tells the salesman, hey, I, I really want to see the extent that I can take this vehicle. And so just so you know, I want to go to the empty line. In fact, I want to go below the empty line because oftentimes my celebrity friend forgets to fill up his tank of gas. And so you see these two individuals, of course, the salesman sweating bullets, say, well, we need to turn back. And they get to about a mile before the exit to go back to the dealership. And all of a sudden, the salesman flips the page. Okay, let's go for it. Let's see. And so as they pass the exit, both of them raised their hands together. Woohoo! We did it! It was below the empty line. Half mile to a mile later, car runs out of gas. Individual pulls over to the side of the road, looks at the salesman and, and states, well, I'll think about it and let you know. Gets out of the car and walks back to wherever he was going, leaving the salesman with this brand new car stranded on the highway. But they were both celebrating the fact that they made it past the empty line. Two stark Different pictures. One, 
a life of depression, discouragement, despair. What am I going to do? Hopefully somebody's going to come along. I'm going to die out here in the wilderness. Another picture. We made it. Which of those best represents your life? Celebrating, pouring your life out for Christ, pouring pouring your life out for people. Walking with him in his presence. The reality of Jesus in your own life as people experience and encounter you, they see it as well. Or you have joy and encouragement and this life is hard. Struggle. But I'm walking through it with the encouragement of the one whom I hold hope in. Christ. Having a confidence. I want to die well. Having said that I poured my life out. Or is it a picture of, directly speaking now to followers of Jesus. Man, this is hard. I hate this life. This is awful. I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, I'm in despair. I don't even know if I could make it. In fact, before you even walked in the building this morning, possibly saying, okay, God, this is my last shot. I'll come to church one more time and I'll see if you speak to me. It's been years of deadness. I've felt nothing. I've not experienced your presence. I've not heard your voice. Today's my last shot. Are you going to show up? Or is it going to be like it's been for years? And you've walked in beyond a position of despair today because you don't encounter the living God in the day out, day in, day out experience of your life. And as a result, you can see yourself walking down this highway in despair like this individual going, this is all there is. Last breath, praying for, hoping for God to speak. If that's you, whether you said it out loud or it was just the depth of your heart, do you realize that in this very moment, God is speaking directly to you? Reminding you of his presence, of his love for you, of the life he offers you, the presence of God very in, day in, day out. Reminding you that, yes, you do have hope. That it is worth the struggle. That he has better for you than what you're experiencing. Where is the trek of your life today? I'm not just talking about a season of discouragement. I'm talking about living there for years. If that's you, encouragements, and then we'll keep transitioning to the next verse. Number one, cry out to God in this moment, very moment. Realize that he is right there with you, that he loves you, and he wants this deeper relationship with you. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, he right now is calling your name. You are in the pit of your sin and you are separated. And he loves you. And he is looking for you to respond to him today to surrender your very life. Now, you may have walked an aisle when you were 5 or 55 or 85, got baptized you when you were an infant, whatever. And think that by birthright, in some respects, that you have this earned relationship with Christ. But realize this. 
when he sees you, when you enter the kingdom one day, it is you and he, and that's it. And once again, he will either see that you have surrendered your life and the blood of Christ covers your sin, or he will see the absence of the blood. And you will be separated for eternity, and there is no coming back. If you have doubt about your salvation, the Bible says today is the day of salvation for you. Stop living in your doubt and grasp. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He doesn't desire that we wonder. He wants us to know. And so if there is doubt... Deal with it with the Lord. Surrender your life. If, by chance, you desire to talk with someone about that who deeply loves Jesus, take the risk. Talk to him and let him speak into your life and come alongside you. It's possible in your life that there's a lot of baggage, a lot of background, a lot of hurt that even a best friend can't help you through. The challenge and encouragement, go to counseling. My parents' day and age, my parents are in their 70s. Counseling was taboo back in the day, 50, 40 years ago. Uh, can't do that. Who would find out? Who's going to know? Uh, it'll change the way they see us. They may even walk away from us as friends. It's not the case today. Counseling is not taboo. God has called, ordained individuals to be in that role to help you walk through complexities of life that you need help with, whether it be individually, marriage, family, whatever. And we have funds to help as a church family. Take advantage of it. Get the help you need. Paul telling Timothy, listen, I have poured my life out. You've heard my testimony over and over again. I've invested in you. My departure has come. I'm getting ready to go home. Now, at that moment, Paul didn't know they were going to behead him. The axe coming down, execute him. But he knew his death was soon and that was coming. He was telling Timothy, I am leaving soon. And then he tells him in verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Three great phrases. But before we look at those, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Again, have this mind among yourselves. In the form of God, he did not consider equality with God to be grasped, but emptied himself. Paul was telling him, listen, I have fought the good fight. Think of that in a term of an athletic event or a military event where you go out and you do your very best and you work your hardest. That's what he was saying. I have done everything I've known to do. I have fought the good fight. I've battled. I finished the race. We think of a runner in a race in the end line. We know that we are not in a marathon. This life is a sprint. Uh, relational, or this life is a sprint. This is not a sprint, it's a marathon. I got them reversed. This life is a marathon, not a sprint. We don't just go through it quickly and then all of a sudden we find ourselves at the end unless Christ takes us home first. We trudge through certain days of joy, certain days of struggle. He was saying through the marathon of it, I have finished the race. And then he says, I have kept the faith. In spite of the discouragement, in spite of the struggle, I've kept the faith. I've continued walking, and I encourage you, Timothy, to do the same. Then he goes on into verse 8. 
Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved, or another version again, long for his appearing. And so he says, now there is laid up for me this crown of righteousness. And let's just set the the setting for us, remember last week we talked about the setting of a courtroom and a judge and how we all are going to go before the judge who is God and make an account for our lives. Again, blood of Jesus covering, blood of Jesus not covering. And so he shares that he's got this crown of righteousness that the Lord will award him. We too, as Christ is righteousness, without him in our lives, we have nothing of the account of the sort. He is our righteousness Remembering that when he did get to the throne, even what he is awarded, he will quickly yield those back to the Father. All crowns, all awards, anything that he achieved, quote unquote, will directly go back to the only one worthy of anything, which is God the Father. So wouldn't it be better for us on this planet as we receive awards, crowns, degrees, promotions, to yield those to the Father and allow him to have glory for doing those things instead of keeping it for ourselves. That's what the picture will be when we see him anyway. Why not yield them now? He was telling Timothy in this, this great day is coming for me. And for all who have longed or loved his appearance, he emptied himself in the service of the Savior. Hebrews 13, 5 to 6 For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Reminding us of the second point to die well in Paul's words. We need to die with confidence so we can confidently say, or another version, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Really, in context, Paul, this man who was about to be executed, saying, stating, really, In this pouring out, in this what's coming, what can man do to me? Encouraging Timothy with that in the same. So the reality question for us is, where is our confidence? Is our confidence firmly settled in Christ? Not just with salvation, but with relationship, with the way we live. Is there something different about us, this picture of offerings. Oftentimes we think of Old Testament, it's only a blood sacrifice, but we see Old Testament and New Testament, these descriptions of different types of offerings. This one that he's talking about in particular, the drink offering, uh, pictures a bottle of wine, which was what he was referring to, either uh, one bottle or up to close to three, where part of a sacrifice of followers of God were to dump out this This bottle of wine on this altar, oftentimes there was a blood sacrifice that accompanied it. But the picture of it was, I am dumping out this to represent my life for which I will pour out for you. So this mental picture that Timothy had in the process of this, knowing that his life was to be that, had to have challenged him. We've been watching Smallville as a family. You may not know what that show is, but that is Clark Kent as a high school kid growing into adulthood. Uh, We've loved it. Tiff and I started watching it when it first came out, uh, and it's really been fun. We're on season 10, which is the final season. So uh, last night as we were watching, here it is, episode 4, season 10, 200th 
anniversary episode. I know you're excited about that. So in the process of this, uh, here's Clark Kent, and he goes back to his reunion, and there's this, uh, this, this uh, picture of when he goes into different rooms and spaces of memories that he has of going to high school there. Wall of weird, if you're, you know, all that. So in the process of him being there, here shows up Brainiac 5.0. Well, Brainiac was a bad guy up to this point. I know you are fascinated with this. Brainiac 5.0 shows up, turned good guy. And so here, uh, Brainiac and Clark Kent begin to have a conversation, and, and he takes him back even further and shows him some of the memories. And Clark comes to this reality where he states this. I've been so buried by the mistakes of my past and so worried about the responsibilities of the future, I lost the sight of the present. What was holding Clark back? Well, his dad died, his earthly dad. And he blamed himself, even though he wasn't even there. And he carried that, and it so disabled him that he could not function with other individuals in the way that he wanted to. They reached out to him. They were friends to him. Clark couldn't be friends back. And so he realized he had to let this thing go. So the picture is him walking to the seminary, uh, the cemetery, standing there. Here's the tombstone of his dad. And basically he states in, in this setting, Dad, I got to let you go. I got to let you go. And I've got to live in the present. What is holding you back? from being fully free in Christ, from living in him, from making an impact on this planet. What is holding you back? Some memory of the past? Some sin that bound you for years that you still have consequences from? Crippled by looking at the future and wondering how you're even going to function? Overwhelmed with the responsibility? What is holding you back from pouring out your life? Your reputation? Your personal opinion? Do you realize that there are better days ahead for you? And it's not just meant to begin when we see Christ face to face. It's meant to begin now. And so it's possible that there is some work to be done in your life, whether by yourself or with a friend or with a counselor or with whoever. For you to be able to transition past what happened in your life previously to where you are now. Listen, God has better for you than what you are experiencing if that is a picture of your life. He wants you to live in freedom and enjoy, not in goofy silliness all the time where you're a babbling idiot but in absolute joy, even though there's suffering and heartache and challenge. He wants you to let that thing go. Whether you can do it just with him or with someone else. Until you are able to process and do that, hear these words. Your life will not be poured out in the way that God has called you to pour it out.
And as a direct result, you will miss the blessing and the lifeblood relationship that he is calling you to. Now, if you're experiencing that and walking, stay encouraged, keep striving, and look for others with whom you can encourage. Your life is not meant to be in isolation. You are the very hands and feet of Jesus and the fragrance of him to believers and to the lost alike. Will you allow him to do that work in your life? So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Back to the beginning. The end is coming for all of us. Will we pass from this planet as the man on the road, out of gas, 120 degrees, this life bites? Or life poured out, joys and heartaches alike. When we see Jesus, prayerfully, our lives will reflect the second. In that, there is joy in the journey. Die well with your life poured out. Die with confidence. The message, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. You take over. I'm about to die. My life and offering on God's altar This is the only race worth running. I've run hard right to the finish. Believe all the way. All that's left now is the shouting. God's applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. Let's pray together.